And welcome to another edition of Thoughts of the Roundtable with me, Matt Rebar. And me, Paul Laux. Another and late what's... night session tonight. <laughs> I was going to say, this is 922. That is too late for me, honestly. I'm 30 so. years old with one and a half kids, so that's it's very, I'm very dad mode at the moment. And uh, I want to go to sleep. One day soon, I am not going to have to wake up at 445 in the mornings. And oh man, I'm going to be up till midnight, 1, 2, sleeping until 9, 10, 11. It's going to be... Fantastic. When I, when I was on that shift of getting up at at three in the morning, I, I didn't feel like a human being. Like, I really mm-hmm. didn't. You just, you go to bed at like seven o'clock before the sun's down. It's the worst. It's the <laughs> yeah, worst you feel thing. like a subhuman class. Like, you, you don't like, even feel yeah. like, like an orc or like, like a... <laughs> like, if when I was getting up at three, three in the morning to go to work, I would always think to myself, like, if this were medieval times, I would 100% be an untouchable. Like, that would be me. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Well, we got a special uh, potential Matt rant alert. Let me let me forewarn you uh, that I might get a little antsy tonight. Um, I, I wrote like an e- I wrote an ethics essay that I thought was gonna get high top marks, and it did not. Can I and say so, something? I gotta say, yeah. Go how ahead, do you go grade ahead. an ethics essay? I don't understand. That, How you that even is, grade something like that? That is an excellent question, Paul, because as we know, ethics are subjective. And even if we cite ethical, you know, like Kant's, Kant's universal law or Socrates, you know, these things were created out of nowhere. There's no guidelines for those guidelines. Right. So, we well, seem uh, heated. That, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm getting there, Paul. I'm like building up. I'm like a tropical storm right now, and I will <laughs> become a Category 5 soon enough. So, I guess here's my thing. Should I tell you what I got, or should I read you the paper? It's a quick paper. Should I read you the paper and then you tell me like what do you what do you how do you want me to do this? I want to be um, give fair me the paper first. Give me the, okay. I already the thing is you kind of kind of already blew it out the water because you it seems like you got a bad grade. So I just want to hear it first. <laughs> this is the way you're acting. So yeah, let's hear. Okay, it first. here we go. So this is an the title is an examination of ethics and cancel culture. I might skim a couple sections. But you'll get the majority of the gist, okay? Now, did you do, did you have a prompt, or is this just something you came up with? On no, your we just it was an ethical. You know, we had to take an ethical thing in media, and so okay. I wanted to look at cancel culture. So, all right. So the first paragraph, I'll be quick. It's basically about DeBaby's comments. Do you remember DeBaby's comments? It was about um, DeBaby's what comments? Oh gosh. Okay, Paul. I'm just gonna read this. During his concert at Rolling Loud Miami on July 25th, popular contemporary rapper DeBaby made the following comments. If you didn't show up today with um, HIV, AIDS, or any of them deadly sexually transmitted diseases that make you die in two or three weeks, put your cell phone light in the air. Ladies, if your lower section smells like water, put your cell phone lighter up. (laughs) Fellas, if you ain't sucking D in the parking lot, put your cell phone lighter up. The reaction from... I, I did hear him get in trouble for it, yeah. but I didn't know what he actually had said. That's what he said, yeah. Okay. So the reaction was immediate and condemning. Musical, music festivals canceled him. He lost sponsorship deal. His song with Dua Lipa, you know, was asked to be replaced with the original. Celebrities took to social media. Um, most of the general public followed suit, believing that DeBaby's comments regarding those with HIV AIDS were hateful, inaccurate, misinformed. Some defendants even agreed with DeBaby's stance. For the most part, the media reported the story and perpetuated a cancel culture around DeBaby. This leads to a rather important question. Are there ethics in cancel culture? Does the media have the right to cancel someone? Cancel culture is hard to define. Journalist Sarah Menevis writes that cancel culture is a collective desire for those in positions of power to be held responsible for their perceived wrongdoings. 
Journalist Pam Palmater has a sharper frame of lens. She says that cancel culture is the dog whistle term used by those in power who don't want to be held accountable for their words and actions, often related to racism, misogyny, homophobia, or the abuse or exploitation of others. Palmetter argues that there is a clear distinction between cancel culture and accountability. A fair summary would be that the public wants to hold someone, such as DeBaby, accountable for their words and actions, and cancel culture is weaponized to protect DeBaby from said accountability. Ethically, what can we take away from cancel culture? If we define cancel culture as censorship, then multiple ethical issues arise. Basically, censorship is unethical, right? You're kind of. I'll, I'll admit, you're, I can't really follow your point so far. Well, it's it's a it's a whole examination. It, the whole idea is for to cover the gambit of cancel culture and the ethics behind it. Let me, so, if we're defining cancel culture as censorship, censorship in of itself is unethical. Let me pause for a second. Yes, feel get free. My, let me get my bearings. Get get your bearings. Um, do you? First of all, let me ask this: Do you believe hmm. that cancel culture exists? I need to get your ideas on this. Well, as as this paper will explain, I think that there's cancel culture and accountability culture. So when we as the public say, hey, we didn't like that you dropped the F word. We didn't like that you did this. You know, for the most part, that's probably accountability culture. Cancel culture as a phrase is probably used in defense of people getting away with, okay, I said something, you know, prejudiced and look at the cancel culture that's around me. Because as this paper will explain, cancel culture doesn't really work. Now, was it you who said that media creates cancel culture? Did mm-hmm. you? S- I disagree with that. Um, if someone does something um, on stage like that, mm-hmm. The media doesn't have to exist for people to have backlash and for them to lose things and to be quote unquote canceled. They don't, it would have happened anyway. The cancel, canceling comes from the public at large. It doesn't come from the media. Can the media expand it? I guess. Yes, it can. Mm -hmm. But is it the cause of it or the creator of it? No, it's not. But how did we see the story, Paul? Okay. Well, the things, listen. Is is Twitter media, the media? Do you consider Twitter yes, the media? Yes, absolutely. I did. That's where we fundamentally disagree. Twitter is not the media. It is not. And so, say that concert, people would have recorded that and blasted it all over Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, mm-hmm. whatever. It would have exploded from there. He would have got canceled, and he lost his sponsorships. And the media had nothing to do with it at all. I See, don't, you're 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 taking media as news media. Correct. When, the, the way media is described for this paper and for this class, media is the culmination of news media, social media, TV, entertainment. I don't like that. I don't. But that's just the truth. I mean, that if we're defining media, it, it's all-encompassing. <sighs> that's a slippery slope, in my opinion. I just think that's a little bit of a... <laughs> I mean, that can be your slippery slope. <laughs> But that's the mountain. I don't, I don't know what to tell Anyways, you. Anyways, <laughs> continue. I, that was just. I just needed. I just no, no, needed no. To... I mean, I think. I think. I think you make a valid point. Is you know something like his comments. You know, the public. Yeah, I think absolutely we... helps push the cancel culture. But I think the media. You know, it's fuel and fuel. Well, I think. I don't we... think it's fuel I th- matches. I think we bastardized the term media. I really do, and <laughs> I'm being serious. Because yeah. you you will never convince me that Twitter and Instagram are media. The me it's just not. It's what people want 
the problem is is that people see a lot of anybody can post on Twitter, anybody can post on on Facebook or whatever. Um, and the gatekeepers don't exist anymore that traditional media has. Mm-hmm. And because of that, people are going to see a lot of things that they don't like, they don't agree with, and so they vilify it and they kind of throw it all under the same bucket. And it's just kind of coming from someone who has a media background and media studies and has been in the media. I hated, hated when people would come up to me and be like, um, you know, I saw this stupid thing in the in the lamestream media that, you know, I was like, well, where'd you see it? They're like, my uncle shared on Facebook. I'm like, bro, that is <laughs> not the media, okay? It is not. Well, and again, here- like I said before, Cancel culture does it, it. It it would have happened anyway. The media didn't happen to have. It was a cog in the wheel that sure may maybe exploded a little bit better because I'm sure it was reported on an actual media journalist media, but it w- it would have happened anyway. That's my opinion. Yeah, I just think it's it is difficult to define media because in the last twenty years alone, you know what was media twenty five years ago? It was TV, radio, and newspaper, right? And mm-hmm. now. We're expanding to internet, and we have the streaming, and we have we have social media, and so it's very large. And yeah, I do I do know what you mean. There are definitely different types of media, but the overarching what does media mean? It's it's getting harder and harder to explain, right? So, anywho, moving on because we could, <laughs> that's a whole other episode right there. So then I basically do a whole paragraph about if cancer culture is defined as a form of accountability. The ethical guidelines support accountability. You know, you have Mills and Kant's ethical guidelines that basically ask for what's best for a universal world. We want a world that's built on acceptance, kindness, right? Um, Islam's divine concepts can cover this because truth, human dignity, and justice all have to do with accountability. Um, Yada, yada, yada. There's a paragraph talking about where is the moral duty owed, which is kind of basically this concept of like, you know, is it for the individuals or for society? And so that just kind of a quick one on that. Um, and then I think you'll find this interesting. So we're now on page four. We've <laughs> wow. four of seven, four of seven. We've gotten there really quickly. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Does cancel culture even work? Recently, JK Rowling was canceled following her transphobic comments, but Harry Potter is still selling like, sell, uh, like hotcakes in the last year alone. HBO People Max will hate announced by. an upcoming live action television series and a major video game based on Rowling's material is due on major platforms next year. Man of his rights that canceled celebrities continue to engage with commercial success and that backlash becomes part of their brand. Um... I do make a distinction here. In contrast, there are viral social media videos of white women calling the police on black men. The women in these viral videos were thoroughly canceled. There was no redemption nor excuse provided for these women. But these women had no fame. They were born from their acts and consequently deemed cancelable. Um, and then I kind of mentioned Bad Barbie, who's the girl who appeared on Dr. Phil. Do you remember Bad that girl? She's like, cash- Bad yeah, she was like, she was like, cash me outside. And mm-hmm. like, how about that? That girl. And how she's leveraged her canceled status into millions of dollars in a rap career. Um, So then, basically, I create an ethical framework um, that I propose as a result of someone deemed canceled. So this is kind of like an idea of, like, how do we come across, like, cancel culture? So I say, for one, the first thing, you have to identify what is the individual being canceled for. 
Does the individual have a history of problematic behavior statements or cancelable actions? Three, how has the individual responded to their actions or statements? Four, have there been any consequences created regarding this cancellation? And five, how grave is the cancelable action or statement and how much harm is created? Now, was this kind of like a framework of like a like a like a postmortem? Like after someone has been quote unquote canceled, you kind of go through these things? Is that kind of the framework you built from that? Yeah, so this paragraph says, you know, these guidelines can help understand the severity of ethical problems within a situation while helping formulate consequences in the media and the public may impose. So the idea of, like, how harsh do we have to, how, how harsh should we be, whether it's cancel culture accountability. So basically, you know, putting DeBaby through, we we see that he's said problematic things before, he doesn't show remorse, he has faced repercussions, there was harm created through, you know, m- m- uh, homophobia, cruelty, misogyny. Um, and for an ethical duty that we have, we need to hold him accountable as individuals and so, as media ethics. Are you saying canceling leads to accountability or they're two separate things? See, and that's the thing. I think I discovered through this paper that the term cancel culture really is kind of like two things happening. So there's like cancel culture as a term is being used for accountability in a sense, but then cancel culture is also being used as a term to be like, look at all these people trying to cancel cancel me and look at cancel culture is bad because I should be able to say whatever I want. And so how the next paragraph talks about, um, well, actually not the next paragraph, but my last paragraph, I'll get there. Basically, the next thing has to do with cancel culture being unethical with the Dixie Chicks, Janet Jackson, which I think we're all familiar with those cases. Um, if you're not, Wikipedia is your friend. Um, <laughs> Those are old ones. Wow. Yeah, right? Well, you know, old, but I think very, very definitive. They're kind of the, the very, the Dixie Chicks especially is one of the earliest ones I can remember. Yeah. Um, but, like, think about what the Dixie Chicks did. They just said that George W. Bush sucks. Well, the, the, <laughs> well, the, the, the big problem with that one is I remember they did it in France. They didn't do it in the United States. And that was a for some reason it was the big craw in that one. Which which is like that is nothing. I, on I know. I'm just saying that, that was today. the reason that's so it really interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How dare they say opinions in France? You know, that's <laughs> the so here's the conclusion. For the sake of clarity, we must first define cancel culture into two, into twin cities, cancel culture and accountability culture. The former, cancel culture, is a defense people use to hide behind their rights of speech and more often than not disguises hatred and misinformation. Accountability culture comes into play once a public figure has done an act of hatred and or misinformation that must be corrected. We can use ethics to determine the correct course of action and assess the accountability needed. The accountability must be strict but follow guidelines of fairness, human dignity, and truth, as well as Mills and Kant's universal teachings, only then can both the harmer and harmed be healed. So basically, it's. It, I think this paper covers a lot of ground in seven pages. It's. I think it's very ambitious in that sense, for sure. But the point is, cancel culture is not easy to define, and so there has to be a way to distinguish what's happening and then apply the ethics after you can distinguish the difference. So that's kind of what was going down in the paper. Mm. thoughts well the problem is i still don't get your point to be honest i mean what was the end point you wanted to prove with this i mean i think the end point oh go ahead sorry um no it's fine um 
So I'm still kind of I'm still kind of unsure if you mm-hmm. meant to say one leads to the other or they're two separate things. That's the thing I'm they're really two separate trying. things. Okay. Yeah. I th- well, so, because we we hear the term cancel culture being thrown around all the so, time, right? Yeah. So, well, hold on one second. So you think the the term cancel culture technically doesn't exist? It's what people use in defense of like say something they like or someone they like got quote unquote canceled. People use that term to kind of describe it and go against and kind of insult the accountability aspect of things. Is that what you're kind of getting at? I I think doing this research kind of exposed that there is an accountability culture and there is, I think cancel culture that's used as a defense for the action. So like almost like a pro, like a, like a battle of two sides. So a celebrity says something ignorant. There's an accountability culture that's created that says you need to apologize or like, this is wrong. We just, you know, this is, this is ignorant. And then there's this quote unquote cancel culture that the celebrity, their PR team, you know, their defenders say, well, they just get to say whatever they want. You know, you're just trying to cancel them. Right. There's like those two sides. I feel like accountability versus, um, uh, cancel is very pa- like almost passive versus active and think about it like this when you mm-hmm. say something in the moment um th- I, I feel that uh accountability is very the, the passive side of it you say you, you do it to baby did you go up on stage you say something stupid mm-hmm. there's an immediate reaction to it a, a, you know a guttural reaction and there's consequences to that you lose sponsorships you lose mm-hmm. things to that um, I feel like when you, when you get to the active side of things, that's when you get to the canceling side. And I look at that like people who like like Ken Jennings. Remember when he was like per, for a minute was was going to be this hostess of Jeopardy, and he didn't do anything. But people went way actively went way into his past to find things they didn't like about him. You mean so, Mike Richards, by the way, right? No, because Ken Jennings actually was. Oh, you know, yes, yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. about yeah, that. that really yeah, was. yeah, yeah. And so he didn't do anything. He didn't say anything in the moment. But people actively went back, and I think that's what really trips people. When when it's passive, it's you say something in the moment, people don't like it, it's immediate, and it can relate to things in the past. But it was caused by something that happened, and then you 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 passively react to. When you're active and looking something to get someone removed for something because you are not, mm-hmm. they didn't actually do anything in the moment. But you look mm-hmm. to see what they did do in the past. That's when I think you get to the the negative side. Really, the cancel, the canceling, and the accountability are essentially one and the same. But one mm-hmm. is a little bit more attacking than the other. Mm-hmm. That's kind of you know. Hard. That's I think you actually put a good example. I did not really think about that kind of case. Mm-hmm. So I guess there would be almost like a trifecta that's happening here. You know, looking at the DeBaby case, I think that's like a really easy example because that's immediate. It happened. He's unapologetic. There's there a thing he did in the moment where people are like, "Yo, that is not right. We yeah. can't be doing that. That's wrong." Versus, you know, you you are right and. You know, oh, it happened 10, 15 years ago. You know, it still happened, and there should be an accountability of apologizing. But, you know, should that be a deterrent? Because people, people can, people people can actively change, actively looked you know? back towards mm-hmm. that. I guarantee you anything. There's things on both you and I that people <laughs> would like. I'm being serious. Everyone yeah, no, no, I know, I know, and, I know, yeah, I know. And so, like, when you get to the active state of purposely looking back for something, because as much as people don't want to think that exists, because, listen, mm-hmm. I'm all up, I'm, I'm not, I'm not over like if someone needs to be canceled for something they did in the moment i I understand i don't like when we purposely go back to find something i think that's Mm -hmm. 
I think that's a little bit of an ethical slope mm. that I don't like to go down. But well, but uh, and one of the points this paper makes is, you know, some of these people who have quote been canceled are doing better than ever. This is true. Who was that? That country star who? Oh, I Morgan Wallen yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. he said, you know, we all know what he said, and he actually yeah. had more record sales than he ever had before. Mm-hmm. So it's and some J, you said with J.K. Rowling, so this the which is a very weird move for her to make, considering a lot of her fan base and her, you know, was she was supported a lot by the LGBT community with, you know, um, Harry Potter and everything. Yeah. And, but like you said, her sales went up. So yeah. I don't that I don't understand. No. I, I I mean, how many comedians have we seen in like the last five years who get canceled? And then they're still touring. They're still booking. They're they, go, still they go away for maybe a year about. or two. Yeah, they take a siesta. They, they go like fly to some island in the Caribbean, lay low for a year. You know, who, uh, like a rum springer of sorts yeah. of canceled celebrities. And then they come back. You know who comedian wise absolutely baffles me that they exist and that they're still mm-hmm. doing strong is Daniel Tosh. The, the absolute. Oh. He breaks. He will say the most crude unreal things mm-hmm. and no one ever i mean that's what he's built mm-hmm. that's that's a case study in and of itself <laughs> like and he openly he in his if you ever listen to his latest i know i'm kind of going off topic but it's mm-hmm. funny how even in his latest it's been it's years old now but in one of his latest albums one of the things that he goes i know eventually i'm gonna say that one thing that's just too far that one yeah. thing that pushes everything over the edge he goes i haven't found it yet but eventually i will <laughs> All right, so you have the gist of this essay. Be honest. What do you? What kind of grade? What are your your feedback? Well, I, I don't think it's fair for me to give it a grade because I don't know what he, they were expecting. I don't know what the assignment mm-hmm. was. Um, it was just to write a, an ethics paper. It was really just about the only, the only, taking something from you know current media context and write an ethics. Paper. I, I'd like to read the entire thing, like instead of getting, yeah. but. The only issue I really had is that I was a little confused on where you're. I don't think I yeah. think you even kind of admitted at the end that you didn't really figure out what the ethical solution was. You acknowledge that there was one. Well, I but, did create those five guidelines and this idea of like examining how serious. Yeah, you know, does it need to be accountable? Is it how serious is the accountability? slash cancellation needed but you know we talked about this right when we started you know it's ethics how do you go about ethics right it's it's i think it's very delicate in general and i think this paper is i don't think the paper comes across as confused but it definitely feels exploratory rather than it feels like an abstract of a study that hasn't been done yet which is not (laughs) which is not a bad thing and in the abstract it's like hey this is a problem we need to look at I don't know what's going on, but this is what I think is going on. Yeah, and this was a five to seven page paper. I just don't think you're really going to create like an ethical solution for anything. This could legitimately probably be a pages. book, like no yeah. joke. So yeah, it's kind of hard to condense it down. What okay. was your grade, though? I'm curious. So I was thinking, I was pro- I was projecting, I was like ninety to ninety five. That's what I was thought. And here's why: because I don't want people to think, oh, he thinks so highly of himself. I thought it was interesting. I thought I raised a lot of points. I thought I thoroughly covered how do we define cancel culture, you know, and through those definitions, what is or what is unethical, providing an ethical framework, right? Yeah. An 81. Ooh. 
Ooh, my lowest grade of grad school so far, I think. 81. What was what was did he even reasoning or Yeah, points? oh you ready for this? Yeah. This is where this is where I get so, that here's here's where I think I'm curious what you think. Thank you for your work on this, Matt. You have a lot of good stuff here. I appreciated your distinction between cancel culture and accountability culture, though I did have introduced it from the beginning and used it as a driving force for the rest of your paper. Okay, kind of valid, but I think the point of the paper was exploratory for me. So that's why, you know, that wasn't the main focus. I wanted the main focus to be defining cancel culture and ethically cancel culture. But mm-hmm. anywho, he says there were two main things that could have used more work. The first is your support for assertions. There's a crucial part of the graduate level paper process. Um, here's here's and here's one example that I, I was pissed at. He so I said women face more scrutiny than men under the public eye. And he Which highlighted that and said source. Look around you. That is the source. That's the source. <laughs> I'm like sexism facts. Like, why do I need to source that? And there was a couple other sections. I mean, I would, too. I would understand if you like if this was a legitimate, full-on research paper that would need to be sourced. But if you're just doing like an exploratory ethics paper, I don't think it. Ne- I think you can make some assumptions, reasonable but like, assumptions. But that, I agree. A first of all, I had 13 sources. By the way, just for the okay. record. So there were sources, but two, I feel like the whole concept of an ethics paper is like you're creating or you're arguing. Like, I don't know. And to me, yes, I get the idea. It's graduate level and and you want to cite, you want to have evidence. But like, that's like that to me was such a minor throwaway line. Like, I, I don't feel like I need evidence for that. Like, and I feel like part of the graduate level way of thinking is like you you should know certain things right like if i was in eighth grade maybe i wouldn't really know why women face more scrutiny in the public eye than men but like here i am as a graduate like yeah i can like yeah absolutely i don't know maybe i'm biased I, but mm, i would get i would get that if this was in a more intensive dive but i think i think that's nitpicking like i get what mm-hmm. he what they're doing but i think it's nitpicking So then the second, he says, was the argument. You made it difficult for yourself by attempting to outline an ethical ideology for a group of desperate, um, disparate, undefined internet voices who may or may not be hiding behind a constructed identity. The main issue is that you have set up a code that lacks uh, statutory rigor. That's an annoying professor way of saying you've got an ethical framework that can be applied in relative ways to whomever we want, however we want, depending on our opinions. The problem arises when we try and create frameworks that deal with the degrees of wrongness. Who gets to decide to what degree? But that's the point is like, it's for the general good. So the idea here is like an extremist obviously would have this, would take this ethical guideline and be harsh on it versus, you know, someone who was more average or someone who was extremely laid back about ethical decision-making. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that concern that he has about like, well, how do we apply it? You can't, you know, who gets to decide and what is and what is not wrong? Well, that's but the that's basis the thing- of, of ethics though. Right? Whereas, I mean, if if you can use that argument to under undermine ethics entirely, who decides what's right and wrong? Like that to me almost feels like, well, there's no point creating an ethical framework at all because we can all disagree. Right. And it's like, but then what's the point of having an ethics class to talk about? Right. It, it, that's it, the thing. I it, think it's all subjective. And I was trying to put in a framework that could be applied. And he's like, no, that can't be applied. Cause what if an extremist 
you know disagrees. Why are you letting but, like? It why do I care? Shit. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why why would I care what an extremist thinks if I'm trying to create also, what's best for all? Th- that you undermines know? the idea of ethics entirely. No, ethics isn't a, a hard set rule made by somebody that will. It's all subjective. Everything's subjective mm-hmm. about it. I don't know. That's a so weird. So then take. here we go. Here's a, all again. Thanks, thanks so much for your work on this. Thanks you set so up much. some good points, and your accountability culture was quite a good one. It has been happening for many years, and will continue to happen regardless of how we shape our society. I just hope that we won't fall into the wisdom of the crowd fallacy at some point. So it seems like he loved the paper, but gave it it's, an 81! It, it seems like he hates cancel culture, and you kind of hurt his feelings a little bit. I'm not joking. That last line made me really think like he's a hard, steadfast against anything being canceled, and... He kind of put that into it a little bit. That's a little rough. Yeah. For that I just few don't, comments. I just think, like, I don't know. I disagree with both of those a little bit. I think, you know, this is a five to seven page paper that's kind of an opinion paper, right? So I think there is a little bit of leeway in. And here's the thing if I sourced every single piece of that paper, I would have had no room to actually write, like, what needed to be written. It's, you know what I mean? Right. And then two. I just feel like if like shouldn't we be trying to create a ethical frameworks based like I don't know if, if the whole point is well we can't create ethical frameworks and what are we doing I, this I, whole this whole class is like questionable then I don't know I, I think the issue boils down to the fact that he simply disagreed with you I do and yeah. I think that kind of he had a little bit of bias in it that. He didn't agree with your framework. He didn't agree with your opinions on cancel culture itself, and so I think that kind of and it, it's a shame that it was it was it's in a class and has a grade attached mm-hmm. to it, not just an open yeah. discussion session because you feel like he could talk more freely about it. But yeah. um, I mean, he loved he loved the distinction between cancel culture and accountability culture. And to be fair, I think if that had been a clear focus, that probably would have been a really good paper. The problem was I was really looking more at like how do we define cancel culture, and because we define cancel culture in so many ways, I wanted to ethically go through those. And not necessarily focus in on cancel culture and accountability. You know what I mean? What would so, you use the framework for? Exactly. Like, so let's say, Paul, let's say you said something terrible on this podcast. I have. So. <laughs> many things. Terrible as many, in like like prejudice. Not terrible as in terrible content. <laughs> We've done a lot of terrible content Plenty of on that. this podcast. Still rolling with we have one. we have three seasons of episodes. We have segments that how listen. Do we have I, seasons, I, by the way. I still don't understand how we have seasons. It's, we it's never like stop. it's like rent. We're seasons of love around here. It's like five hundred twenty five thousand <laughs> six hundred minutes of us talking about BS. Um. Okay. So let's say Paul, you said something terrible on the show that was prejudicial of some sort mm-hmm. so one we'd identify why why are you being canceled because a you said those things so this Two. is a post-mortem like i said before yeah yeah okay. this is the framework being applied we are applying my framework that my professor thinks omg people might not agree to this okay, okay. Two. Do you have history of problematic behavior statements and other cancelable actions? Let's say no, you don't. Let's say this was kind of an oopsie whoopsie. This was kind of a mistake. <laughs> Your this... Honor, I plead oopsie whoopsie. <laughs> Does the defendant plead guilty? Your Honor, I plead oopsie whoopsie to the murder. Thank you. <laughs> um, let and then question three: How have you responded? So this could go either way. Let's say you were like, "I refuse to apologize." That to me holds. I feel like this is a way. big ass flow chart. Yeah, right. It's a. It's one of those like gossip magazines. Like, what kind of lipstick should you <laughs> wear, girl? Like, this is one of those charts. Um, 
you know, that carries different weight versus let's say you apologized, you, you know, we got rid of the episode, we made a statement, we went to training together, right? Um, have any consequences been created? So let's say, I don't know, let's say Katie is like, Paul, I've had enough. She kicks you out of the house because of this. Yikes, because of a podcast, I get kicked up by the wife. Man, that's one. <laughs> your wife podcast. is like, wow. your wife is like, I can't stand that podcast. <laughs> get out. She's like, listening. Uh, <laughs> this sucks, man. Get, she's not even mad about anything I said. She goes, you were just poor at this. You need to. She, <laughs> she's just driving to work right now. Like, listen, it's not what he says. It's just the fact that it exists right now. <laughs> the fact that he is so uh, terrible at his job, he just needs to leave. <laughs> just has to go. <laughs> this podcast is an oopsie whoopsie. <laughs> Um, so look at the the consequences so the idea with the consequences is like okay has this person has consequences being created or not I think that's a huge thing you know you talked about like the Ken Jennings things okay so he's he's stepped down from Jeopardy does that mean that he should be denied all future you know projects no I think he's had a consequence right that was Um, also one of more of those active ones I was talking about he didn't do anything actually mm -hmm. in the moment but anyways and then this last one, you know, how grave is the action or statement and how much harm has it caused? I mean, I think that really just depends on the statement. If you say something really egregious um, versus something that's like, <laughs> I hate to say it again, an oopsie whoopsie, you know, those also have different weights. The- so it's almost like we're on a scale and we're adding weight depending on like how the severity of these questions, right? The, so The problem with this, with the framework, the only issue I have with it is mm-hmm. that it is very, very subjective. And but that's ethics! Yeah, I mean, yes, that is that is true. That is true. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. I mean, if you're... Ri- I think his point is that it's so subjective that an extremist on either end can just bastardize the entire thing, which is true. But For anything, you can do Anything that, you, can well, be turned- You can do that with any sort of ethic principle no. at all. Yeah. So that, or you could take an ethic principle like you know Kant's universal law and say, no, the priority shouldn't be the greater good; it should be the individual. Or you can take, you know, like there's um, is it someone says, or one that I remember off the top of my head is the uh, love each other like your neighbor, mm-hmm. and, and you can easily make a loophole out of that, or you could easily put an asterisk and say within you know within this amount of reason or within within this limitation. So. Again, I don't think these. I don't think my ethical framework is perfect. I just think that you know. Okay, let's take a look and examining how we can apply ethics and like the severity of action. I mean, I think it's a solid little framework. This would be know. an amazing sociology study. At least you create. <laughs> I'm not joking. You created the the basis of a fantastic potential sociology study, and because you could easily develop like a more solid framework from this without a doubt, yeah. without a mm-hmm. doubt. And it'd be curious to like, mm-hmm. to actually see, mm-hmm. you know, and um, see, that's the, that's the comp strategist running through my head of all these, these fun things I can, of, of, of I can just think of, but that's, um, I'm going to call the research. I'm going to call the research. Oopsie whoopsie. A look at cancel culture. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I was just reading about this the other day and it kind of, um, I love to go through old communication theories and just see how they apply today. And I, yeah. I, I came across one, which is like literally 2020 in a nutshell. Ooh, Have you ever heard of what the, is the illusory, illusory truth effect? Oh, man, that sounds familiar. Tell me, tell me, tell me. The illusory truth effect is when, say you, be, you, you believe something to be true, okay? 
Mm-hmm. So you say, okay, the sky is blue. Okay. You know mm-hmm. this. You know the sky is blue. You've known it for a long mm-hmm. time. Someone comes in, media, friends, family, mm-hmm. people you respect, and say, sky's green. Sky's green. Sky's green. The sky's green. Over and over and over. And if you get something told into your head so much, so many times by people you think you respect, even though you know that is false, you believe to begin it. You will begin to believe it is true. Mm. And so, a lot of people are comparing that to, to vac. We've all known vaccines have worked. We all know. Mm. We all know they work. They work. They work. They work. But people we but uh, who you know we support, presidential candidates, whoever you say they're fake. They don't work. They're fake. They work. They're harmful. Even though you know in your head. And in your heart that you know that's true that they work, you will begin to believe the false information that they're actually not working. Mm. And so that is one of one of the many that I like to apply <laughs> that I you know apply to. The, but it's true. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Real quick, because we are this is an extra long, juicy ethical episode. You mm-hmm. know what I'm really sick and tired of? I gotta be honest with you. What sleeves? Apparently. <laughs> tanks only on this podcast i refuse if we ever if this podcast ever gets sponsored we are not being sponsored by t-shirts i i just i refuse today's show is sponsored um, by sleeves <laughs> sponsored by uh nudist bank um uh, anywho <laughs> i don't even know what a nudist bank is the spank like bank <laughs> now that is it that's a that is a business i can get behind um, here's what I'm over. I, and this makes me sound, I hope this doesn't make me sound bad. And I it probably will. The cancer culture, cancer culture might come for me. We'll see. I'm so over those articles and those news and the social media links where it's like, so-and-so, you know, dies of COVID and on their deathbed said that they wish that they were vaccinated or blah, blah, blah. I, I am so over those. Do you know what I'm talking about? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it feels clickbaity. It does. It just feels like I see it every day. It's like another person is like, I wish I would have had the vaccine. It but then again, you know, we, you and I, we're vaccinated. We did our responsible ethical thing. It, it depends where the person who wrote it is coming from. Are they coming yeah. from the point of they want to really demonstrate that people legitimately do change their minds when it's too late? Mm-hmm. Or are they trying to just be fantastical with things? I, I think yeah. you have to kind of read between the lines with those kind of things. And be like, okay, what is their intention with this? Are they just trying to get people to read it, and you know, uh, you know, some story? Are they actually trying to convey some sort of message and create change? Depends. Yeah. And that's why media literacy is important, and not a lot of people have that, unfortunately. So, there you go, Paul. This is why I love doing this podcast with you. Ooh, it's spicy. I love it. Spicy like adobo peppers. (laughs) <laughs> like a dope get out of here um, well that wraps up another podcast I totally for, you know what Paul what? I hate to say it again oopsie whoopsie did not record this so there will be no video uh, of this episode it doesn't so I matter apologize. it's 10 o'clock at night for I those mean, two people who love watching the YouTube versions of this show you're not getting it this week <laughs> audio only it's an audio exclusive oh. <laughs> audio exclusive podcast <laughs> the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life Dumbest oh thing ever. I'm going to audio hell for that one. That is <laughs> audio only podcast. I hate you so much sometimes. Honestly. Listen, I have this new podcast that's audio exclusive. <laughs> Our new audio exclusive podcast. It would have been even better if it was video exclusive podcast. <laughs> A podcast just for your ears. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. That's the best. All right. Absolutely. Well, we're hitting the 40 minute mark, I think. So we got we to gotta go, girl. So. <laughs> 
Have a great episode. Oh my god, have a great episode. Have a great. Oh my god. Peace out. I'm out of here. Later. Later.